Hello and welcome. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about how to make indie films and the new feature film Life Changer and producing and directing multiple movies. I'm Giles Alderson, producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which his website is now live, serialkillersguidetolife.com. And I'm the director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness and the psychological horror feature film The Dare, which stars Richard Brake, who is in Rob Zombie's upcoming Three from Hell. Also stars Bart Edwards, who is starring in Unreal, which is on TV right now, you can catch that, and the upcoming Land, which is Norwegian drama, and it looks amazing. He showed me some footage. <gasps> he did show me some footage, and it looks amazing. Also, it stars Richard Short, who is starring in Mary Kills People, which is on Fox right now, and Harry Jarvis, who is starring in Two Hours, which is available now, uh, and the upcoming feature film Cassette, which I produced. Oh, it's a small world. Oh, 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 plugging all my own stuff. Um, uh, Deborah Wilde is in it as well, who is at the moment filming Patron, written by Alan Young. So I hope that's going well, guys. Best of luck to you. Uh, Alexandra Evans, who has just got pregnant. Congratulations. Robert Marsa, who is in Mission Impossible. Oliver Cunliffe and Daniel Schutzman, who stars in my World of Darkness documentary, which you can watch now on Amazon Prime. If that wasn't a plug, I don't know what is. Um, The link is in the show notes. Um, Okay. Raindance is ongoing at the moment. The festival is going. I've been there. It is amazing. So much wonderful indie filmmaking is going on. So many amazing screenings and talks. If you want to go, and I'm sure you do, and if you've listened to this podcast before, you know you can get a discount with Raindance through us. This discount is 30%. From any screenings, events, or talks, 30% off. All you've got to do is go to our show notes now, click the link to Raindance, or you can just go straight to the Raindance website as well. And when you get to pay, just put in this code, RDPODCAST30. You'll find me around there all week, but you will find me there watching Alex Ferrari's On the Corner of Ego and Desire on Friday at 3pm. It's the 5th of October. You'll find me there watching that because he's been on the podcast. And he also runs the indie film Hustle and he's a fucking great guy. Um, And his film's playing there at 3pm at Raindance. And you can listen to him talking on our podcast about how he made the film at Sundance Film Festival. I know we're talking about Raindance Film Festival, but he actually filmed it during... Sundance Film Festival itself. It's incredible. It's a great journey. Um, and he tells you all about how he made it. It is episode 54. Have a listen to that. I believe that RB Botto from Stage 32 will be there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing RB. Uh, looking forward to seeing your brother on Friday. On Friday. Friday is coming up. It's so exciting. Randance is now. It's on until the 7th of October. 
30% discount for you, RD Podcast 30. It's all the infos in the show notes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, write a nice review. Why not? Why not go there now and support us and give us a nice five-star review? It feels really nice. And then what I'll do is I'll tweet it out and tell everyone how amazing you are. Do it. Love you for that. Um, you can subscribe to us there. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. pretty much. Spotify, etc., etc. You can also find us on the Podfix Network where you can listen to some other amazing podcasts, a lot of them about filmmaking, um, including Two Girls on a Bench, Fan Counters, who are really cool. Love you guys. Um, You can listen to us, obviously. Gravity Beard Podcast, In Session Film, uh, More Gooder Than, Scooby-Doo Justice Project, Shaker Not Nerd, So I Married a Movie Geek. There are so many that are amazing, including weird with you go there listen to them podfixnetwork.com right joining me today as my co-host is christian james yes christian james is joining us who has just bagged a massive advert congratulations um he's the director of stalled freak out and fanged up all are available now all of them go and buy them go and watch them and support him he's my co-host today and joining us to talk about making indie films and their new film Life Changer is producer Avi Fedegreen and director Justin McConnell who talk about their excellent film Life Changer which I have now seen as you'll hear from the podcast I hadn't watched it at the time now I have it is brilliant and I know you're going to love it they screened at Fright Fest where we recorded this to great acclaim and it's screening coming up on October the 5th at Grimfest in Manchester that's literally three days away if you're in Manchester near that area, go to Grimfest. You love horror. You're going to love this film. It's also just got into the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Boom. Congratulations. It's on at 9.30 on the 16th of October. It's a couple of weeks away. If you're in Toronto, if you're going to that film festival, go and support Justin. He'll be there. Of course you will. You can find out all the information at lifechangermovie.com. There you go. Right. Without further ado... It's time for you guys to listen to this week's Filmmakers Podcast podcast <laughs> with Justin McConnell and Avi Fedegree and me and Christian, obviously. It's time to enjoy it. Right. Delighted to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Justin McConnell and Avi Fedegree. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, boys. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. We're, in a, we're, we're sort of from Fright Fest. Well, we're, recording we're in the Fright belly Fest. of Fright Fest. We are in the, with the bowels of Fright Fest. Um, it's, it's, to set the scene, it's, it's an hour, hour and a half until the film premieres? That's correct. The film being? Oh, Life Changer. Uh, Tell us about Life Changer. So what gives the pitch? Yeah. Uh, the quick elevator pitch is that it's about a murderous shapeshifter on a blood-soaked mission to make things right with the woman he loves. Uh, it's a lot more than that, but that's mm. the simplest way I can describe it. I don't want to go too far into what it's about and all the subtext and all that sort of thing because this is the filmmaker's podcast, and let's not get into the subtext and... Um, no, we, we want the tears yeah. behind, yeah. behind yeah. the, the, yeah, the exactly. issues yeah. on um, But it's, it's like a horror turducken in a way. It's, it's, uh, it's all like on the surface, it's, it's pretty much a horror movie, but then you get deeper and it's, it's a relationship drama and it's about mm. sexual politics and toxic masculinity and all these other things. And mm. um, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. It sounds amazing. It <laughs> sounds right on my street and something. Mm. I, I have, cannot I wait have, to I see love, it. Thankfully, through, through your PR guides, I have seen the movie and I love oh, it. So, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. 
Thanks uh, a lot. Pleasure. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, which is why we've got you guys on here as well. So very cool. Justin, you sound like you know your stuff when you come to talk about films. You uh, seem yeah, to... I've been I've been doing it for a while, um, yeah. but I'm also a festival programmer mm. and I do acquisitions for a couple distribution companies. And mm. I've just been a horror fanatic since I was young, so my video collection is massive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I live, breed, shit, and fuck film. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you fuck, you fuck <laughs> no, film. I don't, I don't know. That was a. Poor, poor early worded sentence. Um, <laughs> Could you show I, me how to fuck film? Uh, I wanna... Well, I mean, the, it was easier when they were on reels. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. it's much more difficult. Well, I get. <laughs> See, when, when, well, let's when, get off this tangent. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible tangent to start with. So, um, what, so what was the first thing that sort of maybe the first movie that got you into? thinking right i want to be a filmmaker monster squad monster squad yeah Yeah, okay okay um yeah my dad rented that for me when i was really young and then gradually i saw like you know the lost boys was my first r-rated movie Mm -hmm. um and by the time i was 15 i realized that's what i wanted to do and i always use the really simple phrase that you know i wanted to be a criminologist and a paleontologist and then i realized no i just really like silence of the lambs and jurassic park (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely how about yourself so um Life Changer is the first horror movie I've produced. Mm. I've produced over 50 feature films in Canada. Mm. This is the first, like I said, horror movie. I wanted to be in film since I was nine years old. I went downstairs to say goodnight to my father, and uh, he was watching Vincent Price's The House of Wax. Oh, and nice. I looked at it and I went, my God, that's, I've never seen anything quite like that. And I um, pointed to the television, and my dad said, what's, what's up? And I said, I want to do that. And, he, and he's, I, he says, what do you mean? I says, I want to make that. And, um, you know, I started in the film business in 1994, and I produced my first film in 2007, and I'm 55 films in as a producer now, Mm. and have a distribution company in Canada as well that also distributes in the U.S. So uh, film is my life. And yeah. I, I'm not in it for, I, I, as I tell people, if I was in it for the money, I would have gotten out a long time ago. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> not, this is not about the money. And in Canada, I used to make $6 million movies, but the way the funding and everything is going now, they're all indie films made for under a million dollars. So I have a company called Indie Canada Entertainment. Yep. And, uh, I've released over a hundred films in Canada, yeah. mostly drama. Some genre. Documentary. Yeah. Documentary. Mm-hmm. Get you, yeah. So who, who's involved? Uh, there's a few companies came up at the start of the film. Who's yeah, involved? so I do some scouting for Raven Banner as an acquisitions person. Uh, but I also yeah. I also do a lot of their post-work, DVD, Blu-ray authoring, DCPs, things like that, because I, I run a post company. So that's yeah. where, I, where I make... You, you can't make money in film, but you can make lots of money doing post and like film-related things. Yeah. 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 I was an editor to begin with, but, okay. but um, I did... Uh, I, I came up in the music business. So uh, uh, okay. I was doing like... They called us predators, producer, editor, directors, mm, and nice. we do like Seal would have a new album coming out, and we we do their their entire commercial campaign that would mm-hmm. go up on billboards and video billboards and stuff like that when that was still a thing. Mm-hmm. You'd watch record, you know, music stations, and the commercial breaks would be like full of my commercials and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I came up. And then I, in the metal scene, I you know, I was doing metal music videos and like going to shows and handing my card to bands and being like, I do music videos, and every once in a while, a band's like, Oh yeah, neat, and I get a client out of that, and yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's a great way to start. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite inspirational as well for filmmakers to go, that's yeah. what you were doing. You were going around giving out a card. Yeah, going I just, videos. You don't sit still, right? You go yeah. out and you try and find the work and the work gives you more work and more, most importantly, gives you experience because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sucked. I probably still have a lot to learn. Everybody's a lot to learn, but mm. like, you know, you get better because you're doing it instead of, you know, dreaming, oh, I can't wait to make my movie. You're actually making these little mini movies, these mini, Constantly. you know, Always. And, yeah. and ads yeah. are, are a great way to learn too because yeah. you need to be 
concise and tell the story in 30 seconds that sells the album or sells whatever it is you're selling. Mm-hmm. All that stuff's really important to learn. It's yeah. great. That's a great, yeah. a great discipline to learn what's mm-hmm. essential for story and then move on. That's a, yeah. a, a yeah, that's, marvelous that's discipline. So what was your first feature film then that you worked on? Because IMDb My first feature, yeah, <laughs> IMDb doesn't have it listed. Right. My first feature okay. film is called Strata. I shot it in high school on a Handycam in black and white because the Handycam nice. looked like shit in color. And uh, it's an anthology built around the idea of two souls going through a karmic loop and mm-hmm. every story is the same two souls and one soul is learning and gonna, is going to get out of the karmic loop and the other one's stuck forever. So it's just like for an anthology like that. Okay. Um, and I started Halliburton, which is the town I grew up. I started their annual high school film festival that year and it's still running to this day, although oh, I don't even know if they remember I started it. <laughs> they should have a plaque on the wall with a name on it. Plaque statue? Yeah. That was my first feature, but I'd done shorts before that in mm-hmm. high school. And then I, I started, when I was doing music videos, I started deciding to do higher quality shorts gradually that actually got noticed and played festivals. And then my first um, narrative feature film, because I made a documentary in between that called Working Class Rockstar. That was the first film I had distributed. Uh-huh. Um which was kind of just like a, you know, all those people you go see at concerts while well, they're working Wendy's when they go home. That was the thesis of it. Right. But I made a movie called The Collapsed for $40,000 Canadian up front. And then uh, I, there was a lot of deferral that got, so it was actually more like a hundred once it was sold and I was paying out all the deferrals and stuff. Okay. But that got picked up by Anchor Bay in three territories, Lionsgate in the UK. We sold nice. to 12 other territories. I made serious money on it. Wow. Um, Congrats. I'm not super proud of it. I, I mean, I am. I am, but like... I, yeah. made, I made a lot of was, a lot of mistakes. It was a while ago. Yeah, That's, exactly. Yeah, you learn, right? Yeah. As a filmmaker, mm-hmm. written but, too fast, basically. Yeah, but, but it made we've money. Got, yeah, we've all got stuff out there which is a work in progress. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I would do it all differently if I could. Well, I, I made it as a as a like a door opener, like just a calling card film yeah. that, that yeah. I figured, you know, some people will see this at a festival or two, and maybe I'll get my next one. But what I didn't expect was the level of distribution it got, and then I was being released on the same level as much larger films, mm-hmm. being criticized by people criticizing the same larger films, mm-hmm. and you. We, I did okay. It was like 50-50 in terms of press, but the people who hated it fucking hated it. You know, like, yeah. and that was, yeah. and they're the way more vocal than the people that like it. So yeah, that's quite important. Again, that's yeah. important to take the good and the bad reviews. Mm. Is it? It's a, it's a, you know, you need to take the knocks early on and learn you how do. to take them. You do, exactly. but, it, but I think it's fascinating that you sort of saying it's, it's maybe not massively proud of it, but I love the fact that it made money. I love the yeah. fact that as your first film, you got out the door, and you could go on to your next film straight away and mm-hmm. go well. We made money from this. Yes, so it did actually help keep things rolling. And I, and I can yeah. walk into a lot of me like I didn't get the films off the ground, but Abby and I were trying to get this film made called The Eternal that was more of a like two to three million dollar budget. Mm. And, we, and I was able to get really good cast attached to it, despite the fact that we never actually got it made. Um, right. Tw- two different sets of casts yeah. uh, yeah. at, at different, different development stages and people I grew up watching and loving that I like, they were my dream to work with. And, yeah. you know, but then you end up, you know, burning some of those bridges because the movie doesn't get made and some of them stay your friend and some of them are like, why don't you call me when you got money? in the bank and you yeah, can escrow yeah, me yeah. next time sure. yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's funny actually it's for yeah. every film you get made um, there's 10 on us, there's 10 yep. that you failed and i got didn't. drawers of scripts you yeah. know like well not but they're, drawers, they're always, they're folders always, and on a computer of scripts yeah. yes they'll always come in handy they'll always come in handy yeah. so how did you guys mm. get together and how did you meet and what how did it, how did this this yeah, so um, there was a there's a thing called Fan Expo, which is like a comic con in mm-hmm. Toronto, um, and um, I was just probably a year, in, not even a year in, maybe a year in of being a distributor as well, and um, we were at an event for Fan Expo. Yeah, it was a party. It was uh, a party, and mm-hmm. Anchor Bay through, and he was. So at the bar, getting a drink, and <laughs> it started with alcohol. He introduced himself, and I we just yeah. started talking. And you know, 
he is like like we're both very similar. We work endlessly. We are talking on the phone at like one o'clock in the morning mm. about things that pop in our head that we feel we need to share with one another. And um, we, some things we shouldn't share. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily, it's all over the but messy. You know his his sensibility and his. Um, no is not an option mentality about let's just figure out how we're going to do this. Mm. But also being a perfectionist to the point where he really, you know, watching him on the floor for the first time doing Life Changer was was also an education that I hadn't yet experienced. I'd only experienced him in prep and Post, writing drafts yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and doing pitch documents and things like that. And then you get on the floor and... The, all of that transitions onto the floor and how he works with actors and how he works with the crew and how he stays at the wrap and help us clean up and mm -hmm. like all those mm. things that I inherently do because that's what indie filmmakers do. Absolutely. And do. Yeah. that sort of the combination of both of our pros um, and my cons are his pros and mm. his cons are my pros. Mm -hmm. It just works really well. And I, his writing is really uh uh, filled with sensibilities that I think are really um, engaging and thought-provoking. And to me, you know, I say when you go to see a film, how do you know you made a good film? Well, people go out to a coffee shop or a bar afterwards and they talk for an hour or two hours about your film. Even if they yeah. have a different even opinion. If, yeah, and yeah. even yeah. if they have a different opinion. But mm -hmm. they're talking about it, and that's the best form of publicity you'll ever get on, on a movie. And um, his creative process creates that conversation. I think it's fascinating and we get along like a house yeah. on fire and and abby's really prolific and a really hard worker and um he's this type of person who absolutely and i, I could tell this early on is like you know you, he's going to take 10 hits to the head and still keep coming mm -hmm. and, uh, proverbial hits to the head we were on a fight club in toronto no uh, <laughs> but the thing is like with this movie we wanted to go down the conventional funding process of going through government funding yeah. and all that stuff. Sure. And, you know, we had the most complete package of uh, out of the 80 projects that probably got submitted that year. We still and, got turned down, though. And, and <laughs> we, we had international sales lined up. We had domestic sales. We had everything lined up. We still got turned down because we were a horror movie. And I thought, this wow. is crazy. So I, I said to him, I said, let's not worry about this. I'm going to go and I'm going to find us the money. And, and I did. did. And then yeah. they walked too. And the, they walked too. Uh, and, and then they made a completely then, different horror movie that probably played here last year. And we're not going to say which. Really? But, yeah. So, you know, we, we lost that private investor yeah. and we went and we got, I got us another one. And yeah. Well, and this time it was distribution companies. So we had, we yeah. had baked in distribution before we yeah. shot a frame Amazing. for North America. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that helped a lot. So it sounds like you guys, you know, again, you can take the hits, but you just roll with it and mm -hmm. go and carry but on. You have to. Listen, filmmaking. the way that the scenario is anywhere, be it mm. UK, Canada, US, whatever, you have to be able to take the hit and you have mm -hmm. to figure out long in advance. And we had sort of talked about what the ABCD plan was. Yep. So we just, once one plan went, we went to the next one. Then we went to the next one until we're going to, we're gonna, we know we're going to make the movie. It's yep. just a matter of what's the plan. But the important thing to note is that each, every time that you get turned out, turned down or pass over for something, you've already built a package in that process that has, sure. has give, gives That's you the true. ammo to go yes. and pitch again yeah. without doing all the work again. You're and right. you can refine that package as time goes on. So you, it, you, twice we were almost at camera, but our package just kept getting better. Was the budget in flux really changed? It was generally the same, it, yeah. but we ended up with maybe, I'm not going to say the exact number, no, but sure. maybe, maybe we ended up with uh, a quarter less money going to camera, the version that's here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Do you find that you've already set out exactly what budget you want? Or again, does that well, change? Well, you kind of know. You have to... <clears throat> well, especially with horror. The way it works yeah. now, in my opinion, and this goes for drama, horror, it doesn't matter what it is, you're budgeting to a number. Your number is how much you can raise. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. so true. Like, that's course. what it is. You can make it and for 200K. You can make I it for 2 I travel around the yeah. country teaching a seminar called... Um, how to produce an indie film, basically. What they don't tell you. And what they don't school. teach you in films, kind yeah. of what we talk about. And yeah. so, yeah. and um, I talk about, you know, how do you go make a, an indie film? And mm. so, those things are like small cast, few locations, very few background performers, no stunt, special effects, kids, yeah. animals. Yeah. And we did everything that you're not supposed to do. That's what we did. We did it. Yeah. Right. And right. we had the ability to do it because, A, um, the team that we put together was super amazing. It was a time of year where it wasn't super busy in town, mm-hmm. so we weren't taking big money out of their pocket working on bigger budget shows. We weren't competing with Del Toro's next movie or Suicide sure. Squad or something. Yeah. It was, it was so, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody, and it was a short, it was like 18 days. It was 20 days and two pickup days. Because yeah. the way Not, life yeah. changer is structured, mm-hmm. it's almost like, I, it, I could imagine it being almost like doing a lot of because it's a lot of vignette. It goes from character from, from yeah. character to character, like, but it, it's locations. scheduled based around locations. So you end right. up with a lot of characters in the same location. So you block shoot each location instead of yeah. each character. So it's easier to have people spread out across the schedule than it is to have. Oh, we need the bar this day and then in seven days. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so oh, we yeah. could have done it as a series of short films. And when I originally wrote it, I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll just break shoot this it. on my own money and break it up. We'll do this story and then we'll break a month and we'll do this story. And it's yeah. a good way to do it too. But, you know? um, we realized that. The it would just not be that efficient. Well, plus it would have yeah. cost more. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 It, it yeah. does. Yeah. The higher cost, taking yeah. it backwards yeah. and forwards, all that. And but you lose your crew, right? Then that's, you if you've got a team, a new one. Yeah. well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Your first two days on the set is just the team finding their footing and like so getting true. to know each other. And they're the sloppiest days for cast and for crew. Mm-hmm. Usually the footage you get is probably the worst in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you break it up like short films like that, you've got those first two days five times. And that's yeah. sloppy movie. That's yeah. why you always in the first couple of days you don't you don't schedule your biggest stuff or yeah. your most complicated stuff because as Justin said, you're you're finding your groove at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, you are, absolutely. So what do you look for then when you're looking at scripts in the first place? What is it that grabs your attention and something so, that you want to make? Um do you have an investment? No, well, how I teach it is basically it starts with an idea. Mm-hmm. And you can make a good script out of a good idea, but you can't make a good script out of a bad idea. So if you have a great idea, mm-hmm. that'll get you to a great script. And if you have a great idea and a great script, that'll get you a great director. Mm-hmm. And if you have a great idea, great script, great director, you'll get great cast. Mm-hmm. And if you have those four things, you're going to get money. And if sure. you have those five things, you're going to get an audience. Yeah, that's Although how it works. Although it does not yeah. always necessarily great. mean a great movie. It, uh, there's, there's no, but, all those, but if yeah. all those yeah. things yeah. gel, and they, and you, if you form that amazing unit, you know, you'd have to really fuck it up mm-hmm. to make a bad movie. Well, you're only as strong yeah. as your team, your script, and your idea at yes. the end of the day. Yeah. But I mean, so many people in indie world don't spend enough time focusing on the script. Mm. They, they're in a rush. Oh my God, i got to make a movie now, and we're mm. going to take your time fuck that script is everything if you've got a bad script 
it's going to be a, just a bad movie, no matter what you do. That's so true. And then the movie will just never come out or never play, yeah. do anything with it. Whereas you're right, people do rush into that. They go, I've got a script, let's just shoot. We'll make it great in the edit. I, I wrote The Collapsed in six weeks and we were at camera a month later and that was a big mistake. Really? And this one was probably the ninth or tenth draft we shot. And we, we were still writing or rewriting on set and then we rewrote it in post and it just... Yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah, you've got to really think about it. Like, yeah. does this scene actually work? Just because I wrote it two years ago, mm-hmm. or you know, now that it's cut together, we changed the entire inner voice, the dialogue, completely in post. What was on the page in the script is totally different with, than what's in, finally in the movie. Well, that's that's true yeah. as well, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. in the edit, you find a whole new movie mm-hmm. that you hadn't shot. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. massively, but you do. You yeah. might do a voiceover, or you might go, "Just if we reshoot this, or the character changes from this yeah. to this." I and I wouldn't be afraid to do reshoots if you have like. There's usually not money for it, but mm-hmm. and we I don't think we reshot anything. We did pickups, but we didn't reshoot anything on this movie. Well, and we but I would have if, if the I pickups. I think pickups were. Um, there were little things just like, uh, for example, there's a shot in the movie that's just like a character walking down a city street and, I, and with Christmas stuff all around him. Yeah. And then there's like crowds of people. We shot that way later because we figured if we needed to get the whole unit over there uh, in the middle of a shoot day, that's another setup and another crew move that we just didn't have the time for. Whereas I could go with myself, my DP and the actor and do it ourselves gorilla yeah, style of for nothing. Uh, there was other things like the first location we had. I don't want to give too much away, but um, there's a dog that basically came with the location and you kept walking into our shots. <laughs> so in my early edits, I cut the dog in yeah. and then we may realize we made a problem because it threw an indirect action. We technically yes. killed the dog off. Yeah. yeah. So no one likes uh, that. So I had to shoot an insert shot of the character opening a door and letting the dog out. And <laughs> yeah. then I ended up cutting the dog out entirely. So like, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's all kinds of, there were, and then there were a, a certain effect shots we had to, the, the, there's a major effect in the movie where one element of it one section of it wasn't finished by the time we had to shoot it so we had to go back come back six weeks later when that section was made and shoot one insert of that and rebuild the entire thing Fuck. prosthetics as well because every yeah. leap or every change yeah I mean well the first one for sure has makeup or was it did you do uh, molds or was it makeup it looks yeah like it's a- all prosthetic um, yeah. we, we had David Scott who did uh, he worked on Silent Hill and the Dawn of the Dead remake and uh, Jack Brooks Monster Slayer he designed yeah. all the monsters for right. that and uh, he did the majority of them and then Chris Nash did one big effect toward the end that's so what's scary with that is because you're yeah. you know it's still low budget but you're locked into your because you're doing molds of your cast yep. and then you're there's a lot of cars so yeah. you're committed if we lost to the cast yeah, 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 be yeah. pretty fucked yeah, yeah. you've got yeah. a lot of yeah. useless uh, molds yeah, exactly around, yeah. and they're they're very expensive and there's like the the one of them is an animatronic that like mm. you know it's reskinned from another movie but it's still an animatronic that sure. takes a lot of time to reskin and make it look like a human being yeah um yeah, you you have to commit, and and people don't realize that you need a lead time of like at least two months when it's a heavy heavy prosthetic thing. They need time to build it. They need time to do it, and then they need time on set to shoot it. So if you've got a, a prosthetic effects to do, you better be putting hours and hours in, in your schedule just to shoot a few shots because they fail. And they mm, uh-huh. yeah, you have to know that prosthetics are hard and they fail and they take time. They, they I agree. Burn yeah. your and people do forget that. Actually, mm-hmm. they forget about the blood. That's why they the think aesthetic. they can fix it with CG. And yeah, it's like it's, yeah, no. well, you just you just ruin the tactile feeling of your film. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and that is something to remember for indie filmmakers: is do schedule those moments and those scenes. Take mm-hmm. time. People always go, "Oh no, it's fine. It'll probably take a little bit more time." Uh, say, no, 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 no. The big effect at the end of the movie that I keep talking about uh, that Chris Nash did, and Chris Nash, did you see ABC's A Death Two by any chance? Yes. Yeah. Z is for Zygote, where the woman yeah. carries the baby 
maybe to like yeah. 23 years. Chris did that whole effect and directed that short. So that big thing at the end, yeah. uh, we, we, he spent weeks prepping for it. And then we spent, we had the entire day scheduled to shoot it basically. Right. Cause we wanted, and that's, that whole sequence is only 15 shots or something. Yeah. And like, yeah. There you go. As soon as you deal yeah. with blood, as soon as you deal with anything mm-hmm. like that, it yeah, just takes time. But if I, you know, look, I'm not a genre expert, but what I find fascinating about our film is that it looks fucking real. And I, the, many of the horror films that I've seen, um, there are ones that, yeah, you totally go, wow, that's, I don't even know how they did that. How, and then the people that don't spend the time, (laughs) just like on not spending the time on the script, that don't spend the time Mm -hmm. thinking it out weeks, months in advance and working with the team of, of uh, special effects mm-hmm. makeup people and, and special effects people to make that thing look the best it can possibly be. And respect them enough to execute it properly. Yeah. And that comes down to lighting it properly yeah. and hazing up the room so that it hides seams mm-hmm. and like, like there's well hazed. My, yeah. I, I, my last feature, mm-hmm. uh, I hazed the shit out of it. it, it so it I, I'm looking so at like, that's some good yeah. hazing there. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I think if you're shooting digital, you need yep. to haze. Well, you a need lot. to haze and use the right lenses. So, and not lenses that are too sharp and what made did you use uh, well, well um, vintage they were vintage but uh i am not 100 percent sure what because we were going to use uh master primes for a while but those lenses um, are so big that big, we had yeah. and we were on ronin most of the time that it, yeah. would, it would be just a Flopping nightmare down yeah. um but that would be a question for my dp because sure. i don't remember the exact lenses we used but they were they were vintage and they were older and they were very very he wanted glass that looked like it would have been something shot in the 80s yeah. that was the goal ah, um, nice. so we, we we that's what we went for and then we hazed the shit out of it and we lit it in a way that looked moody and looked um yeah. authentic and we were going for a mine hunters david fincher-esque kind of style that's yeah. what we were aiming for yeah yeah, yeah. i got yeah. you i Got that vibe from the opening shot where the lady gets out of bed and yeah, yeah. she's sort of silhouetted by the mm-hmm. the window. Definitely had that sort of vibe to it. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you nice. don't see that kind of stuff. Well, you do, day. but it's it's rare just because people like to run and gun now. And they, they mm. think that you can throw up a flat light in the front and, and wash everything out and it, that that's enough. And yeah, it's not it's the, really enough. The handheld enough. thing is like... Good, yeah. but you know, I, I mean, I'm yeah. more of, uh, I'm a big fan of like, the Zemeckis school of filmmaking, where it's mm. like every camera move is considered and it's there for a reason. Oh, it's Jesus, you know, the, uh, the the Rocketeer, there's that shot at the very beginning mm. where they do a tracking shot with this little bulldog, and it's this long steady cam shot following this yeah. bulldog. Then they pan up to a restaurant that's shaped entirely like a fucking bulldog. That was incredibly <laughs> well planned, like, yeah. <laughs> and people think it just happened. Yeah, exactly. None of it really thought yeah. about that. Mm. So, I take it you do a lot of planning. You I do, I have, a, I have an extensive shot list. Um, yeah. I only storyboard effects sequences. I okay. don't actually go through the whole movie. It's only when I have multiple departments that need to work together, that's when there's a storyboard because then there's a guide. Otherwise, it's a shot list. Well, and plus the other thing too is I will say, and I talk about this a lot, is that people don't spend enough time prepping. They th- they a lot. The typical is like for every week of shoot, you would do a week of prep. No, 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 no. You, like with us, we were prepping the movie eight months out. Yeah. Mm. And then heavy prep it was a four week shoot with heavy prep five weeks yeah five or six weeks yeah i like to have my shot list done really early too and so i can have that communication with the dp and we can discuss and you know past dps i've worked with it's it's always a good discussion sasha's pretty interesting in that he's the first one i've worked with who is very suggestive so i'll give him my shot list and then he'll say have you thought about this and then he'll bring me a color book of like what about this color palette for this scene and and it it, it, Mm. it evokes this Mm. and i'd give him a list of reference films and then he'd come back with like so you're 
thinking something like this. And that, that was really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the way I like yeah. to work. Always, mm-hmm. my DP will always come with colors and references and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's really interesting. And also with the production designer. You yeah. Work, you work, yeah. And, the, and, the, and the wardrobe. All, all of us all of it together work need to together. be, you know. I it's, great that you, it's great that you, Savvy, as a producer, you're coming and because a lot of producers I've you know worked with and spoken to, they want as little prep as possible. It's almost like no, just cut <laughs> it. Like, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, remember a lot of this prep, like on these, a lot of the prep is basically people that aren't on the on the payroll necessarily. Mm. It's the DP. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's me. It's Justin. Um, they get paid, but. Not well. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind so of the amount of time they're putting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we, were, uh, you know, Justin started going out and looking for locations at least eight I months before we started much all the locations shooting. myself. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, oh, really? Yeah, you have to. We, we didn't have a location support person because we didn't have the budget. Afford it, so, so you've it was, got it was yeah. me scouting stuff. And if you want to prep and yeah. say to your DP, I want the shot to come through. Yeah, this I have reference photos. Yeah. You have yeah. to do it. I mean, honestly, it's like you cannot put enough value on prep. The DP came on all the recce's on all the location scouts. He came with me great he, he, he would be like this is a piece of shit we can't shoot here and i'd be like i kind of like it and then he'd go no we're not doing it and then we'd go to a new place yeah. right yeah <laughs> and this was the first time you worked with sasha so yes, it was it a is. little bit well not the first i oh, there okay. was a film a short film that played fright fest two years ago in the halloween edition called do you see what i see which played ahead of it was called safe neighborhood then and now it's called i forget what the new name is oh better watch out is okay. the new name um that played he, sasha was one of two dps on that because we had pasha shoot the first day of production and sasha shoot the a2 but right. but that was a quicker movie across the board the yeah. future version that we're working on won't be but okay. um the uh yeah so that was the first time i'd worked with him as a dp um but this was the first time where we planned it from the get-go i yeah. see I see. And in the past, DPs, you would have been coming up with all that. You yeah. would have been doing the color well, palette. Well, no, I'm not. Pat, my last DP, like Pasha Patricki is the other DP that I've worked with a lot in the mm-hmm. past. And the, I'm taking nothing away from Pasha. He's a great DP too. Good. good. Um, but no, it, he was more the type that I'd give him the shot list and we'd, we wouldn't really talk about it much. And he'd be like, okay, you know, we'd set up the camera and we'd shoot it and that would be that. I see. Sasha was just more collaborative early on. Yeah. That's all. Did you find that you would change on set as well? Because I do this. I'll yeah. do all my shot lists. Mm. I'll get my shot. I well, you don't really know until until you've worked out the blocking, especially yep. for scenes with actors. Well, you get in until, somewhere yeah, yeah, and you get yeah. crew and yeah. all yeah. stuff. And, and then you, you realize you don't need as many shots as you think sometimes. Yeah. And I overshot list and then I he panics. And then I go, don't worry about it. And and I, I sit there with a red pen and I strike out shots all day. Yeah. Like, and that's just as I want to know. I want that reference. And then we'll, we'll, we'll work. But the other thing, yeah. the other thing too is, and I do this all the time and I didn't have to do it with Justin, but yeah. you know, and this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You're at lunch, you're an hour and a half behind on your day. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you going to do? How are you going to make it up? Well, I can't cut any shit. Well, you're going to have, what mm. is absolutely necessary to tell mm-hmm. the story. You yeah. have to decide and then start cutting shots because we're not, we can't afford to do overtime. The, you know, the cuckoo clock's going to go off at rap. You need to have gotten your day. What doesn't need, we, that you know is going to wind up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. We're not going to shoot it. Yep. I also use colors too, right? So, or while it's printed in black and white, so it's more like gray and full black or whatever, but full black is a necessary shot. And I do this as well. And gray yeah, is something colored, I can toss away. Yeah. yeah, need to, yeah. yeah. Nice to have. I do yeah. the same Yeah. Color chart. The, yeah. This yeah. is what I need to make the scene. Yeah. This is what I. A luxury yeah, shot. Yeah, this yeah. would be amazing if And we, we shot an 8K, which means I could shoot a master Fuck. two shot and punch in on a close up if okay. I wanted to. So that yeah. allowed our actor coverage 
to be a lot more flexible. And was that okay with the digital side of it? And yeah. obviously the editing. We, we were able to deliver 4K master and zoom all, upwards of 200% on any shot if we wanted to. That's so cool. Yeah. See, that's, I've not worked. That's the first that's time I've heard tech, anyone yeah. who's worked yeah. that way. Yep. And uh, I suppose for the editor and obviously the DIT getting that is going, for fuck's sake, it's well, taking up we, a lot of storage. Our, our master, every copy of our footage, because we had a master backup and a triple backup, was about 27 terabytes for the film. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of footage, there's a lot of drives, but the flexibility you have in the edit is It's worth it, of. right? It's, As a producer, yeah. you'd say that was a better way to work or mm-hmm. a good way well, you, to work? You actually okay. mentioned, because I think Finch is shot. Man. He's nodding. Uh, in 8K as well. AK yeah. they yep. they can reshoot. I mean, you can reframe shots. You can... Yeah. Um, you can't avoid it sometimes you end up either with a boom mic dropping in or you end up with like a reflection somewhere and before you'd have to either CGA that out or whatever yeah. else and then with AK you're just like I'll just crop in a little and also it's, yeah. quite, it's quite handy yeah. I've done it on ads before where you, mm-hmm. you don't know if you get enough time to do the close up so let's get a let's yeah. get a really heavy mid mm-hmm. and that'll be my close up if all goes south I can use but it but also continuity wise it helps a ton because mm. what you end up with especially the bar scenes the, I just let the actors go in a lot of cases where they you know and the, the, there's one bar scene where our actual performance take was nine and a half minute takes right and that was cut down to four and a half minutes in the final film right but you, it, you, I'm so continuity obsessed and I'm sure there's still errors in the movie because it's, but I'm so continuity obsessed that there'd be, I, I can't cut from one, one shot to another if I know that their hand positions in a different place yeah, or whatever else. I, I get so if I'm too. able to punch in yeah. instead, all the better. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's great. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of working. I'd be scared of doing that, yeah. but I really like it and I'm mm-hmm. going to think about it for my next movie. 8K is always tough, but yeah. But that's pretty well. It's just the amount of storage. I mean, it's not even I, storage either. To, well, but you know, it's a lot of things. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, it's like prep, isn't it? If you mm-hmm. think ahead, this is what we need. Yeah. You know, the budget. We, we're yes. doing calculations. Yeah. How big of a hard drive do we need to have? And yeah. Yeah. How's this all going to work in, yeah. in the, the, on the back end? Mm-hmm. Because it will get yeah. so How long does daily processing take? How long does like there's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the other thing too is is like as a distributor and you know. We yeah. know that we want, we need to we also need a deliver 4K a 4K master. master China will not buy a non 4K and a master. Mm. Gotta yeah. have it because there are there you go. that yep. gotta have it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So, and iTunes wants it now. Yeah. Yep. So Netflix wants it now. Netflix even though they say they don't. So yeah, they you gotta do, do 2K yeah, and 4K, right? That's so, really fascinating. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. once you, it, like, I, I should, my last feature before this was, was a single taker called Broken Mile. It, not a true single take. There was six or seven hidden cuts, but it looks like a very good single take. I shot it on the A7S2. Yep, which yep. Uh, is just you know it's a pr- pretty much a prosumer camera it's tiny but using their 4k mode um and i zoomed it to maybe 130 140 percent at times uh on on this and we still delivered it to china and passed qc there no really? problem wow. even though it's a little soft when it's zoomed up yep, it yeah but i would not risk that with cert with netflix i would not risk that with like so this movie i knew we needed look if i'm going to do any punch-ins we better shoot in 8k and you already knew at that point you probably would be doing punch-ins? Is yeah. that something yeah, you Yeah, I think, planned? well, in, with Do You See What I See, I did it with Broken Mile. I did it. I, I realized how, my, how, how much I like doing it, yeah. how much I like having that much control over the image. So even after we've framed, like, the, most of the stuff isn't punched in. But when it comes to certain stuff, I love, I love that flexibility. So, yeah. yeah, I knew I wanted that. Okay. Because the other option was we'd shoot on, like, uh, like an Alexa at 4K and not have any flexibility. Right. Nice image, yeah. but no flexibility. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's why I was up for the red as well, because it yeah. gives you that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a bit, but a bit sharper. So again, you put a vintage lens on a red. Yeah, we put yeah. the vintage lenses on it and we did uh, softening filters in post as well. Yeah. So, okay. so that we, it was just a little, and added grain. Add grain, yeah. A little bit of grain. Add, always add grain, yeah. right? So yeah. This is what we do. Add yeah. grain, makes everything mm-hmm. look nice. Not too much, but. 
but, some. But, yeah. yeah. How do you like to work with actors then? Because you had a brilliant cast, Laura Burke, Jack yep. Foley, Elitza Bacca. Yeah, massive I mean, cast. Really massive <laughs> cast. Yeah, we have 24 speaking roles, I think. Mm. I mean, some really, some great cast, um, yep. really well known and well, in their mm. fields and going up. First of all, how do you go about getting cast? And then how do you like to well, work Well, in with this them? particular case, the movie uh, ended up being a, a non-union film. So the, tr- oh. the challenge was finding actors in the non-union space that were talented enough to handle the material and... Um, and just uh, flexible enough to be directed, but but also good enough for me to know. I, I just got to tell them the character backgrounds and who the character is, and they'll absorb that and go through a process and actually come to set prepared. And uh, that's rare, actually, in the non-union space. Um, it's also not exactly everybody in the union space is that way either, but... The point being is that you've got a smaller pool of people to choose from and, sure. and you've got to be really careful when you're casting. So in, in the case of this movie, we did, uh, we did self tapes mostly, but we did a big casting call out. We collected a ton of self tapes. Um, Abby was the one who, uh, I, I liked Laura Burke from her previous film, uh, Poor Agnes, which had played at Fantasia the previous, like the year we shot actually, it played Fantasia. Yeah. So we'd just seen her and as we were prepping and I thought she's brilliant and Abby agreed. But we still had to do a tape, and we looked at other people for that role, and she was just the best. Well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I'd said we we didn't have that character, and after yeah. uh, Fantasia, I said you should to Justin, yeah, you should, should look, look at Laura Burke, Burke and yep. and then he goes, yeah, and so we we yeah. got her to self tape, yeah. yep. and then they met, mm. and it was an it was a no brainer, and, and then Jack Foley, yeah, that was had also been a, a had it been a uh, in a previous movie, um, I do this thing called Indie Can Twenty K where I've triggered eight first features at $20,000 at $20,000 right. each, yeah. but I've raised a yeah. million dollars of post gear and everything for them yeah. to make a movie, Perfect. but they make it on $20,000 cash. Amazing. So Jack was in one of those movies yep. and I suggested Jack and he read to too. And he was Justin just and he great. read it. And he was yeah. amazing. Now He's the funny really thing good. about yeah. Jack yeah. is Jack just started acting yeah, this like was about a year film. and a half ago. He builds houses. He builds houses. For yeah. yeah. So he said, you know, Harrison he should be Ford. a model. And he, so he is. started modeling. He, yeah. And he does. And he yeah. models all the time. And then he's gone in BuzzFeed should, articles and should, stuff like that. He should yeah. be in a commercial. So he's been in a couple commercials. He's, uh, he's in Drake's new music video. He's in Drake's Drake new music suit. video. That, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow, yeah. wow. But, um, and then he did a he did this movie with me, this $20,000 movie. And then the second project he did was... Yeah. Because he's it, really good. He's really good. Yeah. So usually, so we, we did a That's bunch amazing. of self tapes and then I, we narrowed that down for all the roles to people that, uh, stood out. And then instead of doing a callback audition where they actually had to read, I just did face to face meetings and we had conversations. And that, uh, that gave me a feel for who they were as people. You need the best, the best performer for the role, not just the best actor, but the best one that fits that character as well. I agree. But, but yeah. the other yeah. thing too that I think it was really important to yeah. this process because they're mostly non union actors and some of them, had barely done anything uh, notable was that um, Justin held a boot camp. Yeah, um, during rehearsal though, yeah. once we'd actually cast yeah. them, yeah, um, to get everybody on the same page on who Drew is and how he moves and what is his physical ticks are, mm-hmm. just so that everybody uh, knows that yeah. and is internalized that he's always scratching the back of his neck because that's where the decay starts. Yeah. And, he, and when he, he has a mnemonic memory device where he taps his fingers on things and that all the characters do that, he walks a specific way, but not to the and point. Just so the listeners yeah. know it, because it's basically it's a, it's a concurrent character that's pos- effectively over possessing multiple different yeah. people, multiple. So it's it's yeah. six actors or seven actors. 
actors playing one character yeah. over a period so very, of very It sounds amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I can't wait to see yeah. it. I really can't. And then the inner voice, wait. we had a different actor who was going to do the voice originally, and he was good, but he, we realized during post that he just didn't fit the character, and we, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the empathy for him that I wanted. So we started going out casting, looking for that voice, and we went out to Michael Rooker, we uh-huh. went to Lance Henriksen. Mm-hmm. Lance Henriksen said yes. Michael Rooker said he was interested. Uh, other people said they were interested, you know, but SAG blocked us. We, we, weren't, we weren't allowed to use them because we approached them during post and not two weeks before we started shooting. So really? through weird politics, wow. we weren't allowed to use any SAG members. But I found out about something called SAG FICOR, which is basically a SAG member who they consider them scabs. But essentially, that they have torn up their SAG card, or they've killed their SAG card, but they're still allowed to work both SAG and non-union. And uh-huh. that's how I ended up approaching Bill Oberst Jr., because he told me he was SAG FICOR. Right. And uh, he's, a, he's, he's a well-known uh, and that is, genre and, actor. And that, sorry, it's called SAG? FICOR. Financial Corps. SAG FICOR. Okay. Ah, okay. And, and uh, basically, they can work both. Both yeah. sides Loopholes. of the fence. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Well, we had a, a but very Bill. I couldn't think of anybody else doing the role now that Bill's done it. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's well, he there's was, yeah. a couple people that. But I mean, now that he's done it, I can't. You think can't of see it. Yeah. 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 We yeah. had a list that was yeah. going, and one of well, the people we, that I mean, the dream. Well, we went to Tom Waits. We went to Tom Waits. Yeah, which would have been. Yeah, he turned us down, but but he took a good month to say no. There was other people like we we went to Burt Reynolds, and he was going to do it, but it would have cost us seventeen thousand dollars for like two hours of his time. Yeah, and sometimes it's that worth it it's that whole yeah. balance yeah. isn't it as a well producer, the funny thing it? about it, our sales agents were like listen you can get a voice but don't pay too much because as soon as you go international they're going to redub your movies so that voice doesn't yeah. matter uh, and yeah. also it's more like the same with Burt Reynolds it's distra- potentially distracting as well yeah and because yeah. you're hearing Burt Reynolds yeah, yeah. So, and then what might have been the same with Lance Henriksen you're hearing Lance Henriksen yeah. gamers are hearing you know yeah. Captain whatever from oh, Call of that. Duty yeah. 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 and Rooker's the same it takes you out of yeah. the movie yeah. Yeah. Really in, in the case yeah. of Bill Oberst uh, the way that we discussed the character and how he'd approach it and how he said it there's almost an asexual timber to his voice mm. uh, where they know as Bill but he's delivering in a way I haven't heard Bill talk in before right. so it's got, it's it stands out as the character instead of the actor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time, time. because yeah. you've got to go to your screening yes. um, but we'd be great to get some advice I know you've you've mentioned some already for first time filmmakers or second sure. time filmmakers anything that springs to your mind or even even third time filmmakers it, Which, yeah, it's, this, it's, yeah. this is also about filmmakers that are on you know, the journey that yeah. make well, so it's about yeah. okay advice? I'll preface this by saying that um, one of the hardest things to learn and one of the biggest things you need to have in your toolkit as a filmmaker is thick skin and yeah. the point being is that like I remember when the first reviews, national reviews of the collapse hit, like national papers, like everybody in Canada is reading these reviews now. And a couple of them were good Uh and a lot of them were bad. And I sat there that night going, I should just fucking give up. And it, it, it took me a while to bounce back from that, right? But yeah. the idea is, is that you're you're making a piece of art, and it really does feel like it's a part of yourself. And you're you're and then you're taking that art, and you're going here. And it's a baby bird when it starts, you know, mm-hmm. here, take a look at this bird. And there's a lot of people who are going to grab that bird and spike it to the fucking floor <laughs> and then turn away from you and not bother with you again in your, sure. in your lifetime. And you got to be able to get past that and realize that um, you, you, as long as you keep making stuff, you're always going to improve. You're always going to get better and practice and doing things is how you get better. And when you have the negative reviews and you have the... Um, the sort of uh, the things that make you check yourself and, and realize that you got stuff to learn still and you need to learn better. You need to take that as as a motivation 
to get better and to work harder and just push through. And that's how you get successful in this business. As far as I'm concerned, I've actually been shooting a documentary, uh, since 2014 called clapboard jungle, uh, survival guide for the modern independent filmmaker. Love it. It's a, Love it's it. a feature film and an eight episode series and a podcast simultaneously. And I've done 120 interviews over the last four years and I've followed my own career the last four years. And that, that'll be out probably the end of this year, early next year. I can't wait for um, that. Mm. It's, it, it, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of that esoteric approach, uh, it, yeah. but also pra- like the series is practical. The movie's esoteric, but I'm going to let Abby talk in a second. I'm rambling. <laughs> but the point being is that uh, there's so much, the thing, the part about filmmaking, a lot of people don't talk about is the emotional side of it mm-hmm. where you have to learn how to be a filmmaker and then learn how to deal with how hard the world is for somebody who's trying to do this, any kind of art, who's yeah. trying to put themselves out there as an artist to be evaluated in one way, shape or form. Um, it just, it is very, very difficult sometimes. And the, as long as you realize that everybody gets criticized, everybody gets bad reviews. Uh, it doesn't matter who the hell you are. You know, um, everybody gets burned and screwed over and messed with. You just keep pushing forward. The more you can, the more you can just hold your head up and just keep going, take the hits and keep walking. That's what will give you the longevity and the life in this business that it takes to actually have a career. That is fucking brilliant advice. Um, I've got a few things. I mean, the first thing is I don't say that people work for me. They work with me. Um, you know, I'm a producer who cleans up the locations at the end of the day. I mean, go find some of the big producers in Hollywood. They no wouldn't chance. even, they, they would just walk away. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else on my floor, on the floor. Um, we're all in this together and everybody needs to be treated with respect. And I don't think there's enough of that in our business, to be honest. And I've worked on huge movies, huge TV shows, and it, it becomes fairly offensive after a while. I used to do American production manage American shows mm-hmm. and I did one in 2002 and I swore I was never going to do another one and I haven't because it just reeked of gross mistreatment of people. And so I think that's really important. I think the other important thing that filmmakers do not pay any attention to and they need to, you have to start thinking about what's going to happen with your film once it's finished. Yeah. Start early mm-hmm. on in prep. Start building your social media. F- figure all that out. Start figuring out, you know, you got to have onset stills. You got to do EPK. You got to do all these kinds of things because you know what? If you don't have those things, you're not going to get a sales agent. You're not going to get a distributor because they need that stuff to sell your film. Really important. People don't pay any attention to that. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to your the title of your movie. People don't pay any attention to the title of the movie. You need to figure that out. The synopsis, is, which is the most one of the most important things tools of your film is your synopsis your trailer and your title if those three things suck when you go to vod and you click on that poster and you read that synopsis or you look at that trailer if those things don't jive there's they're gonna back off and go find something else and and digital is is where our landscape is man that's where the revenues are so you need to think about that and to be honest like netflix doesn't watch films they look at the trailer and they look at the poster so true and, Sh- and Shutter will probably mostly watch films, but there's a lot of platforms. They don't look at the film. They look at the trailer. They look at the poster. They look at Redbox, for example. It's all yeah. posters. It's all trailer. about the artwork. And the artwork. Yeah. 
Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. Marketing All materials are everything these yeah. days. And I, that's even for festival submissions. If you submit your film and it's great, but you don't have a trailer and a poster, you have less chance of being, of being accepted than wow. a film. Wow, really? Because the festival has to sell your film too. Yeah. And if they have no marketing materials, guess what? They don't think they can fill the theater and they're going to go with a movie that they think they're going to fill the theater with. Yeah. That makes Amazing. so much sense. Yeah. Guys, I'm really conscious we've got to yeah. let you go yeah. and screen your no, films. No so it's, it's the international... It's the international premiere. premiere. Place uh, Fright Fest, where we're at yeah. right now. Well, so. it's got a lot of other festivals coming up, so you should be able to see it. But uh, in the UK, uh, Fright Fest Presents and Signature have picked it up, so I think it's coming out in January. Right. Uh, and there will probably be a little bit of theatrical, but it's playing four other UK festivals in the next few months, so... Big ones. So you will get a chance to see it if you're a horror fan and live in the UK. So if we keep an eye, is there anywhere social media-wise we can keep an eye on the film? Yeah, uh, Life Changer Film is the Twitter handle. Life Changer Movie is the Facebook. Life Changer Film is the Instagram. And there's uh, lifechangermovie.com is the website. Amazing. Right. Yeah. And what about yourself? Where can people follow you? I'm on all the social media. My name is Justin McConnell. You'll find me. I'm the one who's not a uh, boudoir photographer in Seattle. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like him. He's I do want to mention yeah. one thing, though. I think that every filmmaker needs to read one book, and it's called Think Outside the Box Office. Yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. I've read, read that it. book. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Avi, where can people follow um, you? Avi Fettergreen uh, on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Also, uh, com. My distribution company is IndieCanEnt.com. Yep. Amazing. You can follow us at the Filmmakers Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Giles Alderson, CJ. At C James Direct. Boys, honestly, this has been fantastic. I've thoroughly enjoyed yeah. chatting to you boys about this. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Um, Best of luck with your screening later yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, in half an hour. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 We'll get over there. Good luck. <laughs> All, right, All right, thank right. you. Chat. Take Pleasure. care, boys. No problem. Thanks a lot. I go. Cheers, This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. Check out more shows like it at oddfixnetwork.com.